This is the Black Rifle Coffee Podcast. Prepare to get caffeinated. Ooh, man. Welcome to the Black Rifle Coffee Podcast. I think this is like our third, fourth, fifth, 500. I don't even know at this point. There's a lot. There's a lot of episodes we've changed from Free Range American to Black Rifle Coffee Podcast. For those of you guys that don't know, we still have it. It's just, uh, it's on different dates. So, oh, yeah. Great to have you here for the first time, John Dudley, this- which is. Um, is no, true? it's not the first time. That's no. not true. Yeah, we did a couple in Big Sky. We did one at the ranch. Yeah, we've done multiple. Never mind. Like the fourth time. This is your second time. He made a big impact on you. (laughs) Yeah. Those earlier podcasts and you vividly remember them. Yeah, that's why you text and said, can Jocko come on the podcast? I'm like, well, I'm driving him. So, and you're just like, well, you can, do you know how to record? And I said, yes. Yeah. I was like, where's Jocko? He's like, I am driving him. And uh, this is where we're going. So congrats. I mean, congrats, gentlemen, on your elk. It's kind of, well, it's not complete, technically. After this podcast, now I have to drive to Montana to take Andy, which will be awesome. Andy Stumpf, the CEO of Black Rifle Coffee Company. Um, File all your HR complaints. Yeah, Former Admiral. Former Admiral. Mm -hmm. (laughs) File all your HR complaints to Andy Stumpf. Uh, He takes all those. So just so everybody knows. And, uh, it would be funny if you actually had a list of complaints and then gave it to Andy to like get his response to all of them. Right. Live. That yeah. would be an awesome podcast. <laughs> Andy would just be like, I don't fucking care. You know, that's exactly what <laughs> yeah, he would do. Go F yourself. Mm-hmm. Like that's That would be Andy's. So three years of hunting, Jocko, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. This How many elk year. down? Three. Three years. One the first year. None the second year and two this year. Oh, that's impressive. It was awesome. Yeah. yeah. It was freaking really awesome. It's cool to see how much he learns every time. Cause well, we were talking about that today. Um, you were talking about like with jujitsu. I asked you, I guess to backtrack, I asked you, does Dean Lister still teach you things and you're like every day, every single mm-hmm. day. And you were trying to, you know, just talk about how in jujitsu, there's like two moving parts that have infinite movement. And depending on the combination and how it goes, like if you have a someone that's a good coach, they identify like every th- little thing that you could have di- done different. And he said, it's not totally like that with archery, and which I totally agreed to. But I said, isn't it like that with bow hunting though? Because... Obviously, the conditions like Mother Nature and then like how that animal reacts in every species and every situation, depending on if it's pre-rut, rut, post-rut, um, the conditions of like whether it's quiet or windy or, I mean, I just said, that's why when I'm behind him, we always talk about things that he, that you could slightly do different. And it's not because he hasn't been taught at all. It's because it's continually changing and like the the chessboard moves all the time and you just kind of have to have experiences to know kind of what your best counter move is and it's not always right no matter how long you've done it Mm -hmm. a lot to learn (laughs) 
Well, how many elk do you think that you have killed so far? I don't know. I mean, it, it's probably two to three year average. Mm. For 20 years? Yeah, probably. Yeah. So you've shot a few. And then obviously like being with people, like, you know, being able to be with, you know, Andy or Jocko or uh, like one year I tagged out early, went out with uh, Rogan. I think it was a few years I did that. And, you know, just obviously Barclow, Andy. Yeah. Um, been able to do a lot of hunts with those people. And obviously you watch stuff, you know, the more you can watch stuff develop from afar and not necessarily like right in the moment, you almost, it's almost like a better way to learn, you know, because you're, you know, kind of like some of the stuff you talk about, you're looking at it from an elevated position. So you're really able to kind of take it all in, especially when you don't have the adrenaline of being the one that's doing it. You right. Know what I mean, mm-hmm. I could see that. I, I could see my five days in Colorado. Uh, you know, every year, I think I've been able to learn a lot every day, depending on the date and the, the time. But, um, you know, this year was really interesting. There's a lot to learn. You know, the diverse terrain, uh, wind. Wind was like, I had wind check on me and it was in my left hand pretty much the entire time moving through a lot of those little cuts and draws and a lot of those pinion trees, like, cause it would shift and it would start mm-hmm. to swirl and it was like, and it would pivot on a, literally on a second, Flash. one second, like it's in favor. Next second you're made. And then you've got cows everywhere. You've got, you know, raghorns and cows and everything. And you're like, dude, I'm, I'm putting in a perfect stock. And what, what was a, it's one of the guys who's saying, it's like, you can, you can beat their eyes, you can beat their ears, but you'll never beat their nose. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I told you that freaking two days ago. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah we, uh, Jocko, we kind of had a, an evening where we knew nothing major was going to happen. We were actually on our way out, but there was a bull bugling, but it was not. Too dark to shoot, Yeah, actually. it was too right. dark to shoot. So I just said like, hey, you take point and, and, pretend, you know, like make out like you're the one that's going to be running this hunt. And so he kind of just, he's just like, all right, just like goes out in front and he's just like seven yards ahead of me in about a second. And I just grabbed him and I said, what's the first thing you can think about? Because immediately he went the wrong way. (laughs) Why? I I just went right to cover and started moving cover to cover towards the bull. Right. You know, which is like, Obviously, what you do against a human, yeah. But this wasn't a human, so so he went he went right when our wind was at our back pushing right. So it's like you kind of you know you're you're the first thing you should think about is what's the wind doing, just like you said, and then you've got a flank depending on the wind. Mm-hmm. But like when he took off, I is three steps away. I'm like, okay, we well just put the wind more at your back. Like if anything, you got to make a plan of attack that's different. So I just said. Number one, always wind. Like you have to do wind first. You know, then it's like the path that's going to allow you cover and the least amount of noise. And so, he, like right away, you realize, like, yeah, hundred percent. But obviously, you didn't. That wasn't something you had to factor in no. prior. It, it it's really strange to me because I spent a full day looking for my the the bull that I shot. And um, 
putting in the stocks on the elk, there's like zero tolerance. Like you can't make any mistakes. But if I'm just walking around, they'll just like come up and they like don't care. they they'll like lick my hat and they know like somehow they know the hunt's over by my body language, whatever it is. But I mean, there are a couple times when I was sitting there going, dude, get get out of my way. Like I'm trying to find the one that I shot. Will you please move? Because you're impeding my view and you stink. So please move. Yeah. It's like that all the time. You know, you walk around on someone's ranch and, you know, deer just look at you and they're walking around. But if you grab a bow, they're just like, "Mm -mm." (laughs) I've seen this before. I've seen my buddy's heart explode when that person has something like this. Said heart exploder. It was funny on that day where it was super windy. We were all in very different areas, Mm -hmm. but like I get a text from you first that said like, what's my hold at 50? (laughs) (laughs) And I said, in this wind, I probably wouldn't shoot past like 40 and here's what it's going to be. And then like I put my phone back in my pocket and I, I'm like starting to walk and then it's like, zzz, and I like look at it and it's Jocko like, hey, 40 yards, what's my hole? <laughs> <laughs> well, I shot too. I, I was like, you know what? I got five arrows. I got I to gotta check to see what this thing is. Did you shoot at, did you shoot at a, one of the practice targets? See? No, I just was like, I'm going to have to, I'm going to have to sacrifice one of these arrows to the gods because I need to see what this wind is going to do to it. Because I was like, all right, full value. Uh, you know, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Because I was looking at the grain. I was trying to do the, the math on it. And I'm like, I just need to check. So there wasn't anything around. It was about exactly what you said. It was like eight inches. Mm-hmm. So there's eight inches of drift off. Uh, it was like 48 yards. And there was eight inches of drift off a 400 grain arrow. Mm-hmm. So, but it was, um, you know, I, it was gusting. So it was like, yeah. it was like, you know, 12 to 20. I'm like, so I was like, well, if when it gusts up to what I think is the, 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 the you know, greatest mile per hour wind and I pull the trigger on it, at least I know if it's going to drift to eight inches at 48 or whatever it was. I feel like it was more wind than that. Well, I was just not caring about any of that. I'm like, I can, won't be able to hold my bow up straight. With the wind, yeah. where I was, the wind was just hauling right. and gusting. And so I just, I was... No shoot. Well, the next night when we talked about it, I think you said like, didn't I say like, I wouldn't shoot at 50 right now. And then you just said, well, damn, if he's not going to do it, I don't even need to know the math. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) It was gnarly. Yeah. Because the problem is when your arrow's laying sideways like that, even if you have pretty good front of center to where you're going to be on point, like when your momentum's turned to the side, it's just, it's not going to drive that broadhead through because you don't have the weight directly behind it. You know, that's kind of why you don't want an arrow that's like doing this through the air other than the fact it can't hit anything. But yeah, if it's laid to the side, it just kind of hits and slaps and it's, you know, not, not good. But you, honestly, a lot of people shooting at like just archery events like TAC, there's certainly times where you can see the arrows kind of like a little bit sideways mm-hmm. in the targets on some of those longer mm-hmm. shots. People don't relate it to the fact of if that was trying to force a broadhead through something, it's not going to penetrate the same. So it's just, you know, it's not an ethical shot. It's a shot that's just a, you know, a lob really at right. that point. Well, 
I can see that. I was, <clears throat> I was definitely not going to shoot outside of the 40. Like, I was like, were you outside of that, dude? I can't have 10 inches of drift and be able to dope that and figure out like past, you know, 40 and this isn't going to work. So it's like, what's the size of a heart, an elk heart from, from top to bottom? You know, eight inches, give or take, let's say. Probably. Because like if I, if I can at least, you know, hold inside the, the, the size of the heart, but outside of 40, that, that's blown out. So if I have eight inches of drift, I'm like, great, I'll hold left side and figure out what the drift's going to be. But outside of that, I can't shoot past 40. Were you at the same, were you in Colorado at the same time last year? Like the same? The exact same time last year. And how different were the, was like year one versus year two, even though the dates were technically the same? They were almost identical. Were they? Yeah, it's it was a little same. bit colder, uh, but it the, the elk started turning on later, like towards the end of the week. I hunted the same area uh, last year. It was the same, same exact scenario. Okay. Dead, dead. Like D-E-D dead. Like I was, <clears throat> that first day, I was like, hey man, can you, can you help me bugle? Cause I want to, I want to hear what it sounds like. <laughs> and um, I just want to hear for my, my own justification, which I thought was, it's beautiful, especially when you can hear your friend bugle, you know, it's really beautiful. And he's awesome at it, by the way. But um no, we we weren't hearing anything. Like we we the day two, I was I made a move on on a bigger bull that he was at least he would he would answer randomly, yeah. so I could kind of pinpoint where he was. Made a move on him, but he was buried in these little aspen saplings, basically that were just I was fifteen yards away from him, and there wasn't going to be a shot even within fifteen. Because there's so many aspens between me and him, it just wasn't gonna wasn't gonna happen. I, I put in all the right work. I worked the wind to my favor, did everything I could, and there was no shot window, not even not not even close. I had to, it had to have been within spearing range for that to be an acceptable stock. And then with that many cows, there was just no no chance. I don't want to say no chance. You know, maybe for somebody like you, you could probably make a move on. Don't point at me. Yeah, you know? I'm not. He was not. talking to me. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> so <I> good. <laughs> yeah. So if you had a spear, would you have been able to close that last 15 yards, do you think? Here we go. I'm talking with not to throw, but to like stab. run and stab. Yeah. No, those cows, the, the, what, if, if the wind wouldn't have shifted on me, and that was one of those scenarios where, I could have made maybe another five yards mm-hmm. on him, maybe another five, because uh, I was going really slow to and the was point. Was it bedded? Yeah, so he was bedded. The cows were bedded, and he was just laying there, like, mer, mm-hmm. you know, like I'm not getting up there. I got all my cows down here, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, so he's bedded, fifteen yards, cows everywhere. I thought he was going to be by himself because I hadn't seen a bull with any cows yet. I was like, he's just laying down there being lazy. Go down there and kill him, you know? That was my mentality, but he had a bunch of cows. Wind shifted just a little bit and those a little cow. It's probably you know? when the when the like the noses are spread out for 30 yards each way mm-hmm. of the yeah. what you're wanting. It's like if if it was just the bull and that swirl happens, sometimes if you know, if it changes too fast, you might not get it. Right. But when there's like noses 
setting up a perimeter, mm. then you're freaking screwed. What, what I think is like fascinating, which I, I would love to get your perspective on, because watching them set up their area is so interesting to me because it reminds me of patrol-based activities mm -hmm. where you're sending your cow up in to the 12 o'clock, yeah. right? So she yeah. goes on the far end and then you got another cow. Like sometimes two of them will show up, right? Just like, you know, I, I'm sending my two guys out. They're going to set up my 12 o'clock position first. Then I'm going to start kicking out my clock positions and that's exactly what they do. Hmm. Send out their couple cows first, get their 12 o'clock, go to the far side, sit there, look. What, what is it? Seals? You remember that yeah, shit? Yeah. Silence. Because uh, uh, it was S-I-L. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. yeah, it's like, uh, you know, something be listen. quiet, like listen, basically. Silent something, mm -hmm. listen, and then something else. Intel. Yeah. Huh? Intel? What would that be? I forget. But basically, you, you shut up, you, you remain quiet, and you listen and look for an extended period of time just to make sure that nothing's happening. They do the same thing. Yeah. They sit there, they pretend to eat for a while, but really they're just like yeah. looking around. Yeah, they do the whole. And then, yeah, they do the, I'm eating, don't worry. Oh, you know, and then jump back. Yeah, the couple, the, another similarity is, is like the first cow or mm -hmm. maybe the first two cows are point men. Yeah. And they're straight up looking around. But then you get back to the fifteenth cow or the twentieth cow, and they're just humping. they're just yeah. like they're just like looking at the feet in front of them, just like a patrol. Yeah, you know, you look at that guy that's a seventeenth man in a patrol. He's just looking at his feet, doesn't even know where he is. <laughs> you know, private snuffy, yeah. pumping the saw, just yeah. like, wow, just like whatever. Yeah. But it was it's it's super interesting because then if you look at their perimeters, their perimeters are pretty good. Pretty because away. I was looking at those, the same bulls that, or the same elk that you were looking at on the side of the hill. Okay. And I was checking their perimeter that night and they had, they had a, a, a cow, if we're looking, because we're both facing the same direction mm -hmm. um, in the cardinal direction, but they had a cow positioned down. Actually, it was a spike way down on the hill. Then they had a cow on the far left side of the the little spur and then down in the little, there's a little um, draw um, on the right side and they had another cow out there. Yeah, they, and then they had all the elk in the center of it. So they had eyes everywhere. And then the bull was working all of it. Yeah. And does whatever and like, he wants. Because he knows patrol-based activities. It's like, yeah. And, and when you can think about it, be like, whoa, that's amazing. But you can also be like, well, that's what other way is there to do it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's kind of common sense. Like, why would you, of course, you can have a point man up front. Of course, you're going to put 360 security out. Right. Even if you're a damn elk, you're going to yeah. do that. Of course. I thought about uh, how the guys from maybe, you know, Rogers Rangers and mm -hmm. some of those guys, if because all those guys were outdoorsmen and yeah. hunter and they, hunters and they would watch animals cool. all the time. Yeah. That's a good and they call. had to get really close because they, you know, their weapons were inaccurate. They, you know, they were, they were experts at stalking and killing animals to eat. And I kept thinking about how, I wonder if these guys picked up on what the animals were doing, Did you know, in herds. Yeah. And they adopted some of that to their tactics that they were using. I couldn't help but think about that. Like, how interesting would it be if these guys were looking at those guys going, man, that's a good way to do it. Yeah, that's do it that away. way. Right? Yeah. But even if you thought about it for 15 minutes, you'd be like, okay, we need to do this. Right? Yeah. Or you could observe elk for some period of time and come to that conclusion. 
I think it would be a combination. Could be I a think combination. It's like, I think it's got, because you think about the, the evolution of guerrilla tactics. I mean, patrol-based activities was not something that was utilized in the conventional warfare landscape. You know, it's not like the British were using patrol-based activities. Yeah. It's relatively new. I, I don't want to say we invented it. I'm just saying, like, you know, in the context of the Revolutionary War yeah. with all these guys that were <clears throat> actually, sorry, the French um, and Indian Wars would have been the, the genesis of that. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, but even if you were looking at a totally, like even a siege warfare, like if right. you're going to be in a position, you're going to set up security and you're going to put interlocking fields of fire. And mm. even if you only have archers or spearmen, that's what you're going to do. <laughs> Let's get back to the spear thing because this has actually been some of my best entertainment for the last couple of days because... Uh, you guys want to spear something? Well, so to go back, Jocko, uh, he actually made a good shot on his elk, but it was... Actually, I like how he said it. He actually made a good well, shot on his I mean, elk. Th- yeah, because we had... To, As we opposed did- to an outstanding <laughs> shot. Yeah. That's what I normally make. Yeah, he did, every- he did everything right. The elk was quartering away. But it was kind of looking towards him, so he wasn't going to draw while it could, you know, while its eye was looking at him. Um, so he kind of waited till the till its head was swinging, you know, away, and so he didn't have like straight on visual of of the elk's eye. So he drew back at that time, and then when you're going through the process of making a good shot, you're kind of hyper focused on like your exact, you know, when they say pick a spot, you're like hyper focused on the pick your spot. But what happened was the elk wasn't just turning his head away. He was like turning to lead away. So when the shot broke, instead of him just doing this, he did this. But with an elk, you know, a quarter of a stride is still two feet or a foot. You know, literally the movement of picking their leg up and starting to go. I mean, it's twice the stride that I have walking. So he hit him a little far back and we went that night and we found him and it was just obvious we weren't like, we were either going to chase them around in the dark, which isn't, uh, you know, if you don't recover them, it's not ethical. So we made the decision, you know, hey, let's back out. And part of, part of that decision was where he went and bedded down. It was like thicker than any shot you've ever seen it attack. Like we had to be on the ground on our knees in order to see where he had like laid in these yeah, you know, I call them cedars. Are they pinions? Yeah, I think they're. Them? I think there's a combination of cedars and pinions out there. But it like he was laying there, and you know, a couple times, like you know, it's like rack would like go all the way to the side, and we get back in the truck, and you know, Jocko's like not happy that we made the decision that we need to leave him. Obviously, he knew it was what was right, correct? But you kind of thought like it was right. There's... It was right only due to the fact that I didn't have a sword or a spear because yeah. that would have been the right decision. Yeah. So you might as well tell people what you told me when you got in the... <laughs> well, I just said if I had a sword or a spear, I would have, I would have gone for it. And I'm not, I wasn't, I'm not, I'm not kidding. Like he was in a hurt way. And if I had a sword and I could have gotten up there, I would have gone for it. And just like a hundred percent, let's do this. That's what I think. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I mean, you give me a sword and that thing is, it's already, I mean, this thing is on its last legs. It's, right. It's hurting bad. Yeah. And, you know, just go for it. 
just try and get you one there. There's, there's, it's a high risk evolution. I'm not saying I'm not going to catch a, a wartime in the face <laughs> or a throat. Mm-hmm. And you might be tracking Jocko Bud wherever <laughs> when he drags me away, like stuck to his rack. Yeah. Cause you've got 12 freaking samurai yeah. swords, dude. Yeah. With, I mean, no offense, 10 times your power behind. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's, it's, it's a risky move, but at that point, I think it's the thing to do. <laughs> You know, Dang. no risk, no reward. Yeah. That's what it, I think know. a spear not to throw, but just like a sharp spear mm-hmm. that you can just stick I into. I think that'd be good. But what would be hard about that is that would have to be, you'd have to put like a, an actual blade. Because yeah. I don't think you'd be able to get a spear through their... No. I don't think you have the power to do it. You have no, to like, get a blade. Yeah, like almost like a a, a really sharp... Uh, dagger point or mm. like a fencing sword, but but with a rigid. Yeah, it'd be. A, that's what I would try to use. Like I would a really long a needle that, stick. Yeah, like. I would try to use a spear that had a blade, like a like a stiletto blade. Yeah, yeah a perfect. stiletto blade that was like mm. two feet long, like a V forty two dagger blade yes. that's yes. two foot long that on you top could, of a seven or ten foot wooden shaft. Yeah. That's what I'm going with. <laughs> okay. And I think I could have pulled it off. We agree on the type of spear that yep. you need to kill an elk, which I, I think is important and it's probably never been discussed. Yeah. I, I, I think I would have gotten it done. Yeah. This yep. boils down to just the fact that you two haven't seen what those suckers can do. There's just no... Yeah. I know they killed a man last have, year. Did they? This is not... Yeah. What did he say or do to him? No, he shot it and went up to it like too soon and it killed him. This is not a lack of respect for elk power and strength at all. I'm I'm saying if you get that situation, this thing is wounded, it's hurt, it's kind of out of it. And I think you could get close enough where you could get in there. I'm not disagreeing with you getting in there. I'm a hundred percent agreeing with you're not getting out of there. <laughs> Like, okay. I know you, I know you talk a lot about like ego check right now. And you don't realize that that freaking Brahma bull with twelve samurai swords on his head, even if he has ten percent life, they, he's let still. Let me ask you this: Do they do the elephant thing where you know elephants when they kill you, they like like put you in the ground and grind you? Would they do that? How oh, would they? Dude. How would it kill me? What would it be? Just like I would lucky shot of type thing, or would he gonna, be killing me? Yeah, both of those fronts are going to mm-hmm. be through each side of your shoulders, and then he's going to—he's just going to power drive you like until he's out of gas. Okay, so that's what I want to know. Like the elephants, when they kill you, they—they they like kill you and smear you. It seems like, I in my mind, an elk would like hit you. And, and run off. Like like yeah, they hit you and you'd fall down. You have a big hole in your ribs, and then you just kind of. <laughs> Get it back together. Yeah. But he's running away. He doesn't want none. He doesn't want any. <laughs> That's what I think. And I'm going with it. You better have your video camera if this goes oh down. Oh, my God. Yeah. I think that's next year's elk hunt. Mm. Jocko Spears and Elk. <laughs> Dude. Right? Well, Beto uh, said he wanted to do it. Or he's going to try and do it. Yeah, I'm sure. Hey, there's people that have done there it. There you go. They so have we're not done even, it. This isn't even hypothetical, how they, bro. How would, did but, they do it? Do they come out of a tree stand? Yeah, they would either drop it on yeah. them or throw it at them. But right. they're not like <laughs> when they're wounded. Combat. Yeah, when they're wounded, they're not going in like. Yeah. Ah, I think the I challenge should I be. I'm going tactical. I'd go 
quiet, you know? Challenge should be... You're not quiet. You're Jocko, broadswords, and elk. You know? More know people would want to see him do it without either weapon. Without a broadsword, that's a non-starter. Just a like you, I, just I don't hands. think you could. I don't think a human could kill an elk without a weapon at all. <laughs> like <laughs> I don't think that's happening. Yeah, those things there, are freaking to be... strong. And yeah, I don't. Think that's how happening. are you going to do that? Let's and say I, and, and I'm had very to. specific. It's a it's a mortally wounded animal, right? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, but the, then they're more likely to stand ground from the wounded animals mm, I've encountered. Yeah. And I and I've encountered I've a lot of them. Yeah, and I've tried to, I've tried to like just hold Wait, down something you, small like a antelope or a like a mule deer, mm-hmm. and they get busy. Oh, I'll tell you, I have a hundred and twenty pound German Shepherd, and like I wrestle with him and try and get him under control, and it's nearly impossible to control a hundred and twenty pound dog. So a freaking eight hundred pound elk ain't happening. <laughs> that thing would crush me. This kind of ties into another thing you told me one time that was purely nonsense. (laughs) I remember like one of the first times we met, we were talking about like a plane going down and you said, I actually feel like if a plane was crashing, I think I could survive it. You said you would tear the seat out of the, you would tear the seat up and throw it to break the water surface and then dive in behind it once the water surface was broken. It's a hundred percent. Like I am, you know, there's some woman from, I forget where she's from. But Have she's, I ever told you that one? No, there's some it, woman though. that survived a plane, uh, a commercial airplane. That's what we're talking about. A commercial jet disintegrates in thin air for what right. I mean, it blows up in the sky. Right. And everyone dies. I just know that I would figure out a way to make it happen <laughs> right. and live. I know you'd be over there dying. I'd just be over right. here living. Yeah. <laughs> but there that happened to a girl. I, I forget where it was. And like Jocko's still looking for a girl. Girl was like right 11 or 14 years old or something. And that happened. Plane blows up in the sky for whatever reason. Everybody dies except for her. Yeah. Well, guess what? I was in a tree stand one time. It was 22 feet in the air. The, the peg broke and Sharon fell 20 feet onto her back. <sighs> and it was just, and, in that moment, I thought I'm watching my wife either die or be paralyzed. Oh, for sure. And she literally hit the ground and it was like nothing. Yeah. So maybe your wife and I would both survive right. this no. situation because well, she knows how is, to fall too. The difference is she's not a freaking gorilla, dude. This is <laughs> physics coming into play right now. It's no different than an arrow. If you go out with a 200 grain arrow and shoot a freaking elk, it's going to bounce off if you... <laughs> Shoot a 500 grain arrow, it's going in just like <laughs> yours did. And so, bro, it's like, you're not going to skiff off the water surface. I got this, dude. You're, you're, you're <laughs> the wrong mentality. I, I have had this conversation with so many people, and the amount of uh, just arrogance associated with the people that we know that Matt and I were, Matt and I were flying I back that. from Alaska mm-hmm. and we both had the same conversation. Like if that pilot dies in his chair, like 
both of us were like, we could land this bitch. We just had that conversation. So we, we had that conversation too. Cause I'm like, of course. And, and actually we were just flying and we're like looking at the controls and dubbed like, Hey, we got this. Yeah. If our pilot dies. And by the way, that was a pretty likely judging <laughs> on the dude that was flying. Solid. It wasn't a whole hell of, this guy had three to six months left. Yeah. 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 <laughs> so we're flying. And, but here's the thing. So I always think that, and I think really the difference between landing a jumbo jet or a Cessna or whatever, I mean, it's all kind of the same principles, right? Pull the thing in, it goes up, pulls it forward, it goes down. I There's got a throttle. throttle thing over there. Yeah. Like you, you can land one, you can land the other, right? No factor. But I've got a friend uh, named Dave Burke who works with me at uh, my consulting company. And he's a former Marine fighter pilot, F-18 pilot, right. Top Gun instructor, Top Gun senior instructor. He can fly the F-18, the F-16, the F-22, the F-35. And he's the first operational commander of the F-35 squadron. And he said he couldn't land a Cessna because he's never done it before and he doesn't know the controls. I mean, what a loser, right? <laughs> <laughs> Seriously. I just looked at him, I'm not going to say anything, but I'm just thinking, you're kind of a loser. No. And uh, he's, I said, well, you know, I could. And he was like, <laughs> no, you couldn't. So we have this constant debate, but uh, I still have high level of confidence that yeah. should my... Whatever aircraft, space shuttle, right. jumbo jet, I'll jump in the seat, figure it out. Take probably take me, I don't know, three minutes, six minutes, something like that. Right. Get, figure it all figured out. Yeah. Couple, hit a couple switches. Right. <laughs> We're good to go. We're good to go. No factor at all. So easy. And then I just land it, jump out with a sword, and slay an elf. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want? Yeah. I uh I actually think we're going to uh, create this in uh, cartoon or animation form, which is like so- Jocko takes over the cockpit <laughs> and lands a jumbo jet, jumps out with a broadsword, and then cuts an elk in half. Yeah, well, we- the broadsword thing is the unrealistic part because nowadays with uh, TSA and stuff, you right. can't carry broadswords anymore, it. which is just, I mean, we're private, getting super private, paranoid. Private jumbo yeah, jet, you okay. could. Okay. So, okay. I'm on the Led Zeppelin jumbo jet. We're touring. You, you and know? Led Zeppelin? Well, yeah, because they probably would want me for backup guitar sure. or lead guitar. <laughs> right. Jimmy's, Jimmy Page. Either one. Old. Yeah. Actually, and I know the, if I check most... some YouTube videos for like two weeks, I'd probably be good to go on right. that too. Yeah. While we're at it. Just while we're at it. Let's just <laughs> add that to the skill set. Yeah, we had this dude that was like loading our stuff in the plane and then came up like four steps. And then have you ever heard that original Adam Sandler CD that he of course. did? Yeah. Years what ago. What was the one that the the Weezer where he's like <laughs> remember that one? I no. for, I forget what it was, but that's kind of like what he sounded like trying to freaking tell us what to do. And Jaka's like, dude, we might have to land this sucker. So we were kind of paying attention. And the only hurdle that we really came across was we made the determination neither one of us would fit in yeah. the captain's chair. Yeah. We're like, I'm like, dude. Small plane. Yeah. I right. could probably run the pedals from the back seat. Yeah. <laughs> nice. But I, it was pretty easy. Like it was. Uh, you know what? I'm just gonna. I just got. I just thought of this because yeah. I know. I know you're friends with Mike Glover um, yeah. from Field Crash Survival, and if we could just check with him, and I could probably do a couple courses on landing jumbo jets, mm-hmm. defending right. yourself from hell. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I could do a whole series. That'd I think it'd be, be good. fine. Yeah. yeah, it'd be like you and Mike. Actually, you know what? The next time you guys come to town, I'm just gonna have a simulator yeah. set up. You can't practice, dude. I went to a simulator. and all I'm gonna do is be like, hey. Get in the simulator and land the land the jet. The pilot's dead. Let's see what you got. Let's I, see if you can do it. That would be pretty cool. I did the Harrier jet simulator out at 
Yuma. Those are easy. They're like helicopters. Oh, I crashed that thing. I, I would only last. I would only last. I would last like seven seconds. The time it took me to crash, that was the time it took for that thing to get to the ground. That's how long it took me to crash. So all these assessments I'm making are, are on top of the fact that I only time I've ever flown a flight simulator realistically, you I just crashed. crashed I probably crashed it. 10 times in, yeah. in five minutes. Mm. And I was like, you know what? I, of course. Right. I just said, this thing's not very accurate. <laughs> <laughs> this thing doesn't really work that well. How, yeah. I mean, it really, it can't really yeah, capture yeah, the accuracy. Yeah. I don't, it's, it's, it's just a simulator. Yeah. I think the best option, just so that everyone didn't think you were speaking nonsense, I think he should just say, I would just bounce. Because that would be the most realistic things that people would be like, yeah, Jocko would just freaking bounce. Like <laughs> like when Hulk like came out of that freaking yeah. thing in Dude, Avengers. When I was a new guy, and actually this was like not even a new guy. This is like my first three platoons. If you put your feet on the fast rope, you were like, you know, weak. Yeah. And which, which is cool, but I was a radio man. Right. And so I had an extra whatever, 40 pounds. And I would just come out, no feet on the fast rope and just burn in every time. I was 100%. When I grabbed that fast rope and went out, I was 100% going to hit the deck at 75 miles an hour and just fall. <laughs> but, and, and it wasn't until I got, oh yeah, I went, I went to the East Coast and we changed, went to a different team and like all the guys started going, they're all putting the feet in the ropes. And I was like, what are you guys doing? It's taking really long. And they're like, well, we don't want to like crash and burn every time we get off. So then I realized that, yeah, you can do that. But is that why your feet are so flat from all? I don't know what it's from. I think it's from my mutant parents. <laughs> Have you seen his feet? I haven't taken a, like a really detailed look. I'm wondering. I mean, I understand he has everyone feet. who believes that like Bigfoot exists shouldn't just see like where Jocko is yeah. training up on the I, northwest I don't coast. Prince in the snow. <laughs> yeah, because it's as flat as like that paper flipped out right there. They are so flat. I like how you come. I like how the the community will come up for with weird uh, tests of masculinity or whatever it is, where it's like, don't put your feet on the rope, and it's like, why, why? Why did we ever do that? Because I remember that too. Mm. It's like, oh, okay, bro. Yep. Hey, man, you want to sit down and go pee too? Is yeah. that what, we, yeah. is that what yeah. we're doing yeah. here yeah. now? Is that what we're doing? Yeah. Like, yeah, doing 90 foot fast rope with no yeah. feet on the rope, it is, you've, and you have a radio on. Yeah. I was, I was a comps guy too. I, I would know just exactly hit the, ground. the feeling. Yeah. I remember I had this awesome, awesome, awesome uh, guy teaching a CQC as a seal, like the, in fact, one time I asked one of the SEALs that I had the most respect for ever, I said, who's like the most badass SEAL you ever knew? And he was just like, dog, he's talking about this guy. Right. But this guy would, he was, so he'd be teaching us, we'd be out doing VBSS, so fast right. roping on the, on the ships. And he'd be like observing as we came in. And every time, like we'd start the clearance and he'd like walk over to me like, hey man, are you all right? <laughs> like every time he'd see me just hit the deck. <laughs> and he'd come over and he's like, He's like, are you okay? Man? <laughs> I'd be like, good to go. I'd like, just, you know, keep looking down my weapon. Good to go. No factor. <laughs> yeah. Good, good man test. Yeah. Good man test. Have you ever had any substantial injuries? Nope. Wow. Nope. You've never broken a bone? Nope. Oh. Elbow. That's incredible. I got, uh, yeah, I hurt my elbow pretty bad doing jujitsu. Yeah. Um, I hurt my, my ankle one time doing jujitsu. I hurt my knee one time surfing. Those are probably the three... Oh, I had neck surgery because I had like 
whatever problems or whatever. Right. If you want to know what Jocko can't do for those listening, he can't freaking knee curl. I can tell you that. <laughs> oh yeah. Like we had an elk talking and, and literally said, let's, let's crawl up to First that of all, tree. Well, it was 10 crawl, yards. It's not knee crawl. It's, what's, what's knee it's crawling? walking on your knees. Yeah. Which, yeah. Okay. What do you mean? Yeah. Is that something you're just familiar with? I mean, I no, I mean, I get it. Okay. Okay. Like I, I you're, you're just walking like, on your knees. Yeah. yeah. So you're we're staying. He's calling low, it knee crawl. Instead of Why crawling. wouldn't you call it knee walk? <laughs> First <laughs> yeah. of all. Yeah. Like, you're knee walk. When you say crawl, that's four freaking libs, bro. Yeah. Well, so let's call it knee I, walk. I think what I said was, let's just go over. We had to go 10 yards. I said, let's get to that tree on our knees. And so he took like two knee walk movements, <laughs> then decided to go down on all fours and he's like trying to do it and I can tell like and I and then so I like tap him and I go just freaking sit up and walk on your knees and so he like it was the most awkward thing and finally I just picked him up and I just said screw it let's just go over there and the elk ran off uh, and then he yeah. told me like <laughs> yeah so like I spent a lot of time like on the mat and like so my knees are just what I say they were <laughs> they're just like soft right yeah. they're soft well, yeah yeah so my knees are soft so he's and so we're going to club there's branches i'm just like this is horrible i'm gonna get whatever kind of hard covered knee pads you can yeah get. cries i need we'll to get fit those in there. because yeah yeah that was just not did you have cool. the sitka knee pads yeah in i had them in oh okay but and they, and if it wasn't for those i would have just turned around and put a freaking arrow light <laughs> dudley just been like knee crawl this knee crawl this but uh arrow in your head yeah yeah yeah, the cry pads are nice. Yeah. yeah. I mean, even those Sitka ones, just nice. having knee pads. Yeah. But you want to talk about like man tests. I remember when guys first started wearing knee pads. Right. And I was like, Pfft. no, I, I, we do the same just thing. Like you're, yeah. What are you doing? Yeah. Or when, when guys first did it, it was like, you're, you're, like the machine gunner, right? And you could wear them on one knee, mm. not both yeah, knees. Yeah, that's right. You yeah. could wear, you wear them on you wear one that, you knee. Wear that, yep, you wear that knee pad on a one knee. And you were yep. the machine gunner. Yep. I was like, dude, I'm carrying like two radios and like 20 fucking batteries. Like, I, yeah. I'm carrying way more weight than this fucking dude with a machine gun. And it's like, can I get one of those? No. 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 <laughs> no. Big negative. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah you can. You can but get you one of those one. if you want to go to the 82nd. Yeah. You want to go to the 82nd? <laughs> Sounds like you want to go there and be a soldier there. <laughs> Sounds good. Right, Rifleman? Yeah. Snuffy? Then the first time I wore knee pads before I was just like, I, I don't know what I did. I think I hurt my knee or yeah. something. And then you go to knee pads and you're like, this is amazing. Amazing. Especially rocks and, and cactus. Do you remember those Arcteryx knee pads when they? When yes, they, I do. Why well, the first pairs I got was like Rector skateboarding knee pads. Yeah, so I was yeah. like, okay, this yeah. is what we're doing. This is what we're doing. Yeah. Once I tried them, oh. I was like, oh, this is freaking it's luxurious. Until awesome. you got to yeah. sit back on your legs for a while, and those yeah. straps just yeah. freaking put your whole leg asleep. Mm, I like that though. <laughs> but the deal leg. now is all these tactical pants that have them embedded in there are yeah. awesome. Well, I I used to think that all the time because we. You know, still have a bunch of those pants that were free, mm -hmm. but I don't use them for hunting. But I'm like, man, these things are way comfortable. I should be using these. But I also am like, what were the first legit ones? The first legit ones that came out were the cry pants. The, the first cries. super legit. Before that, the precursor to the cries that were semi cool were the 511 pants. You remember those? Yeah. They had like the cargo pockets. Then those turned into like just douchebag pants mm. like just to be you know point blank everybody was like oh look at that guy with the 511 pants and the big pockets like you just are you 
uh, what do you do? You know? So now with big pockets, <clears throat> but so. the cry pants when they first came out, and they've continued to get better with those embedded knee pads, like the man, those were luxurious. It was like going from a a beat up old Mazda Miata to like a Cadillac. <laughs> yeah. I was like, man, this is nice. Dude, yeah. those Miatas. Those are right up there mm-hmm. with those Fieros. Remember the Fiero? <laughs> that was a the good one. For the Fiat. <laughs> yeah. Did the Fieros like uh, blow up? There's like and a yeah, there was some kind of a problem with them too. <laughs> <laughs> How? Yeah. They seem so safe. Yeah, yeah. I remember like some of them like had issues and I remember as a kid like when one would roll by I'd just freaking jump in a hedge bush like if I was on the sidewalk I'm like that baby's going up. What was Jocko's? What was your first car? Oh yeah. So this is a, kind of embarrassing to say because not for the reason you're going to think. So I had a, I, I bought a 1969 International Harvester Scout, which was Amazing. freaking legit. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. And uh, it wasn't running when I got it. And like I bought it for, who knows, maybe 300 bucks or something mm-hmm. like this. And 150 of that bucks was to get it towed to like my house. <laughs> Solid. <laughs> Probably six months later, it got towed away. <laughs> it was just like, just destroyed. Junk. Yeah. So there you go. It's, sounds cool. Cool beginning of the story. Yeah. Sad ending of the story. But I always had a, a good place in my heart ever since then for International Harvester. And, and my buddy had a travel all, which was like the, yeah. a suburban version. Yeah. Like a long yeah. one. That, man. Thing, Those is, are that thing was legit. awesome. But was the first one that actually the, the would run? Um, I think it was a Bronco. I think it was yeah. like a 1986 Bronco. Like one of those Bronco 2s? Yeah, like it was a Bronco 2. It's a Bronco 2, yeah. yeah. Okay. Because it was like, you know, gas mileage or whatever. Right. So. I could see that. Yeah. Little Bronco 2, you know? Little Bronco 2. <laughs> How about can, you, Dud? He'd look like Hightower trying to get in that sucker. Would <laughs> <laughs> you rip the front seat out and sit in the back, drive that sucker? Those things were small. It was surprisingly it was, small. Yeah. It was silver. It was two-toned. Mm. silver on the top area and like a dark blue on the bottom area. Pimping. My first one was a uh, Mazda B2200 SE5. Little single cab Mazda Mm. truck. A white one with like some kind of like brown and blue pinstripe like Mm. down the side. And uh, yeah, I thought I'd trick it out. I put a uh, taco tip on it that I got at Walmart. So What's a taco tip? Like those shiny muffler things that you would put on the end of your. Oh muffler yeah, yeah, that's that's in. that's yeah. That um, adds a lot of horsepower. So I like put that. <laughs> so I put that difference. on there, and then was that uh, just to get like women? I mean, what was that? That's a, <laughs> yeah. that's a gold <laughs> move. Right there. That was just a poon yeah. magnet. Yeah. yeah, and then uh, how did you? How did you deal with all the women that would approach you when they saw that? You put them in the bed. Well, yeah, you'd have to have a bed. In a truck like that, (laughs) just put them all in. Now it all makes sense. That's why I got the single cab because you had more room in the bed. Yeah, yeah. Single cab long box. But I built built a a freaking sub box to go behind that Mm -hmm. back seat. I took a quarter pipe apart Mm -hmm. and freaking like made this... Totally airproof freaking box to have two eight inch subs to like vibrate your back. Yeah, yeah it was nice. It's pretty sweet though. Evan, first ride? Uh, 1961 Chevy Impala. Oh, three dang. on the tree. Jeez, white with red interior. Freaking balling from the get go. We should have known. Where did you get that? Uh, I bought it from, there was a dude on the Native American Indian Reservation. Uh, just like was it in good shape? No, oh, okay. it was in horrible shape. So it was just a. I set the entire interior on fire 
me and my buddies when we were smoking reefer and we <laughs> we were cruising around shooting bottle rockets out the windows oh and uh, that somehow we got so high that we had the, the spark had gotten in the seats underneath it. Well, the seats were already completely Damn. deteriorated. The foam was falling apart. And um, Damn, if you would have kept that ride and not burned yeah. it. Well, it didn't burn it all the way down. Oh, okay. I stopped at a payphone and called my dad. And this is how like high I was, <laughs> right? Where I called him and like, like, my car is burning. And I called my dad on the payphone. I'm like, I don't know where this fire is, man. But this, this thing is burning up, I think. I don't know. So my dad drives down. And he's, I remember to this day, the look on his face, it said everything. It my said, son is an idiot. He is a legitimate moron. <laughs> like his car is on fire. And I'm just standing there I'm like, I don't know, man. I, and then the two other guys that are there, my, my two other friends, uh, Nat and Trevor, that were, we were all kind of like, we, we hung out every day, every day, every day. Right. And all of us were like, we don't know where all the smoke is coming from. My dad just went in, like pulled back the seat cover and was like, are you guys high? Yeah. <laughs> he didn't know that I participated in those types of things. Right. He had no idea. He was just assuming that we were just dumbass teenagers, nor did my dad have any experience or contacts right. with those things. So it was really easy to hide. It didn't happen very often. So I think it also amplified the effect because it didn't happen very often. But then uh, that car turned into a uh, like a 1971 VW bug with no floorboards. I had wood, I had wood mm. on the bottom to keep your feet from falling through. Dang. Really good stuff. It taught me a lot about the internal combustion engine those two years. It was great. My second vehicle, I lit on fire on the inside. Really? Yeah, it was a it was a Ford with that middle fold down like seat. Ford what? It was a Ford F one fifty. Oh, okay, yeah. But it yeah. had that middle fold down yeah. seat. And you know how it, like it kind of had those with bracket, the cup holders, right? Yeah, the bracket yeah. came up, so when it folded down, there was like a space, yeah. you know, between there. And uh, I had like. The first spotlight I ever got to like shine deer and look at deer at night was that Q-beam. Do you remember like that old original Q-beam spotlight? Mm-hmm. It was like probably this big around and about that thick. And so I used to like just slide it in between that so it wasn't like right. falling all over the place. So I actually took that truck. I was probably like, I think I was just started shooting professionally. And I took that truck and I had ordered a Ram, like the first Cummings that came out like mm-hmm. ninety you know, seven or something when that new Cummings came out and I'd ordered one. And so I was driving this truck. We had already done the deal, but they said, just drive the truck till we locate the truck you want. So I went out spotlighting that night and I was like shining some stuff. And then I stuffed that thing underneath the seat and it like slid the switch on. Mm. And so I ended up like going home and luckily I came back into the garage to get something out of my truck. And when I opened the window, it was just pure black smoke just bellowing out. And I got it all cleared up and then uh, flipped that seat up and it had just burned a hole like all the way through. And so obviously I'm like, this sucks because they're not going to be down with that on this trade-in. So I just like made sure that seat was flipped down when I did the trade. Really good. And they, it's really they ethical, super, yeah, super ethical yeah. job. <laughs> I mean, not saying an eighteen-year-old's like the 
most integratable out there. <laughs> but yeah, it was Apparently uh, not this one over here. Remind <laughs> <laughs> me not to buy any cars from you. <laughs> yeah. I don't think I burned any. Well, we had one, but it doesn't really count because it wasn't mine. <laughs> 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 the bad guys, you know. Right. So my breacher went to open the, you know, the trunk with a lock popper car or lock lock popper charge, and he had gas in the back, you know, oh. an extra tank of gas. And there was a lot of fire on that one, <laughs> <laughs> and then it almost started the neighborhood on fire and stuff. But got under control. The guys got under control. You know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't have any other car burning stories that I know of. I, I would have to really search to think. Uh, you know, I've blown a few up, but not in like, you know, juvenile delinquency. Only in my adult delinquency, typically. Isn't it weird to get paid to blow cars up though and kind of really cool? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then we went through this phase where we would steal the cars. Yeah. Which was good. We had like a whole protocol. We'd like mm-hmm. put, have like a rigger's tape to tape out the lights and black out the lights and everything and just like roll off target. Yep. Just we got a new surveillance new vehicle. Yeah. Yep. Got a new yeah. Opal. Yeah. Yeah. We had, all, we had a fleet of like vans and Corollas and it was yeah, great. Yeah. It was like, okay, it looks good to me. Got the keys. <laughs> you know, you hear the call. <laughs> yeah. I remember that was like a very, very specific um, feeling during you know during the 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 invasion where I was like man this reminds me of some of my childhood because it seems like I'm hot wiring this truck and it's a lot of fun but I'm not really stealing it because nobody can arrest me yeah right so I'm just gonna hot wire this big cement truck and drive it through that wall over there it seems like a good idea <laughs> <laughs> you're probably gonna get written up for I'm gonna nice I might award. even get an award yeah, yeah for this this yeah. is an archon yeah. Yeah. yeah at least for sure yeah I mean with Bold initiative. He hotwired the cement truck and drove, drove it through, it through that wall. wall. Yeah, I mean, it, it's amazing what uh, what you do get paid for. You it's know? amazing when work aligns with fun. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's basically a, been my entire adult life. Oh, it's so ridiculous. Yeah. That actually has. That is a very true statement. Yeah, <laughs> there, it's I've been a lot of fun. You do anything where you don't make it fun. Uh, you've never seen me do spreadsheets. I make everything (laughs) miserable. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. The difference between the officer and the enlisted. We make it fun. They take away the fun. Hey, looks like you guys are having too much fun. Why don't you uh, go ahead and tie it back up? Let's make this miserable. No fun of any kind. How long have you been out? What what year did you get? 2010. Okay, so it's been quite a way. What about you? 15. And then, what year did you get in? How many years did you do? 90, 20. I did 20 years, yep. Yeah, right on the nose. And then God, when I told Tim Kennedy, I went in 1990, he was looking at me like I was the oldest human he'd ever talked really? to. He was like, mm, 1990? <laughs> he doesn't even know what year that is. Yeah. He's like, what? Like, what? Yeah. yeah. I was 95. I wasn't that far, far behind you. Like, I you were 95? Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. It was only five years. Like, wasn't, did you graduate from high school in 89 then? Yeah. Okay. So you're the same age. My sister is at that same age, 89. I remember those those uh, those big hair music days, oh, man. Oh, yeah, yeah. I yeah. hate that kind of music, too. Do you really? Yeah, did you listen it. to it no. when you were... No, I hate it. What did you listen to when you were in high I school? I listened to uh, hardcore. I listened to metal. I listened to punk rock. That's what I listened to. 
Like what though? Like, like what poison. was your go-to? Uh, warrant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, dude. Snake. White I snake. I hate all that music, and I hate. I pretty much hate those people. I think Dudley might be the exception of people that like that kind <laughs> right? of crap. Blaze uh, on board. Did you ever put hairspray in? There's a question. No. Okay. Did you ever have? You had a mullet. There's no doubt in my mind that you had a mullet. You had like a Kentucky waterfall. That no, dude. He had hurt. a Tony Hawk haircut. Right? Yeah, I was. I was all bangs, like three feet of bangs that would shape into a mohawk. Okay, okay. I'll tell you what I did do with hairspray. I lit my house on fire. With <laughs> yeah, that's right. You have a good yeah. one. Right? Yeah. We're over here talking chump change, burning uh, down cars. Yeah. Burn his you fucking house, house on fire. Yeah. Right? Aquanet was freaking the best. I wasn't in the military, so I just had Aquanet and a lighter, and I'd freaking just torch everything that came close to that can until it was gone. And then my mom's like, she'd always blame my sister for like using all the hairspray. <laughs> it's like, you know, I almost burn burnt the house down yeah. 40 times today. Right. Uh, bands? Yeah. What was your go to? Like, my you, favorite band of all time is Black Sabbath. Okay. Um, yeah. You know, my probably my top bands are like Black Sabbath, Led Zeppelin. Motorhead, ACDC, mm. and then I liked all the hardcore bands, East Coast hardcore primarily, Bad Brains, Minor Threat, Cro-Mags, Agnostic Front, and I went to 10 million shows of that nature when I was a kid. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah, that seems about Which accurate. Which were also good. Yeah. 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 You could mix in a little Well, did, did you... GNR. So... Do you like Ozzy? Do you I, like... I, I, Ozzy is fine, yeah. but... Compared to Black Sabbath. I mean, Ozzy to me is more like hair metal, right? Mm -hmm. They're just regular okay, Ozzy right. with Randy Rhodes and all that. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's not horrible. I probably can only, I probably only do that because I'm such a fan of Black Sabbath. Right. That I'm kind of like, well, it is new this Ozzy or whatever. Right. But no, I don't, I don't even, I don't think I even own an Ozzy album mm -hmm. or, but I own every Black Sabbath album in multiple forms. And what yeah. about Black Label Society? You know, I, I have listened to them and they seem like a good band, yeah. uh, but I'm not like a huge fan. Right. Um, yeah. I, I really got into like harder music when I was a kid. So, right. But then what happened as you transitioned out of like high school and the military? I didn't transition. Like, you, you I never like, transitioned. No, I still you listen to the keep same. listening to the same. Same stuff. And occasionally right. I'll listen to a new band. Right. Um, Dude, he has the same t-shirt. I have the same t-shirt. I do the same stuff. I have, I'm just like a really boring human from that perspective. But it's really, you know, that music, that time frame in the in the 80s that that scene was really cool and yeah. the music was great yeah and it's everything kind of has been a little bit downhill from there but there's still there's still good bands i mean pantera i like pantera yeah um you know there's some some good bands out there i, I listen to like some death metal but even that, I don't like the growl too much. You know, when you hear like the the real, like the Norwegian yeah. death metal, mm -hmm. which was an interesting scene, speaking of burning things down. Uh, yeah, there was like a Norwegian death metal band. They call it this worse or more hard than death metal is called black metal. Yeah. And there was this group, a band that burned down these ancient churches in Norway, <laughs> like burned, set them on fire. It was, cr and then one of them ended up killing the other one and, cannibalizing the heart or something. Yeah. They're getting As you do. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So there's yeah. your Norwegian death metal and they're Norway, right? Right. You're kind of like, I, every, I've never been to Norway, but every picture I've ever seen of Norway leads me to want to like, I don't know, maybe be outside and, yeah. and build a snowman. <laughs> I yeah. don't know. So it seems like a really nice place to live. Yeah. Let me put it that way. Right. I don't know how you end up doing Norwegian death metal from Norway. 
Yeah, I don't know. It's always led me to to want to like knit a sweater. Yeah, you know, yeah. like like milk a goat. And and there's great band. There are some of these bands that are great coming out of there. There's a band called Opeth, which I really like a lot. Um, but it is strange that you can get these. I guess it's I guess it's proof that you know humans are warlike in nature. And even if you're in a very nice looking place, you might still have the tendency to to want to fight and burn and down. kill and arson and stuff, right? <laughs> yeah. 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 So even in nice places, people still are attracted to arson. Yeah. Is that the message? That's what yeah. I'm saying. Yeah. Am I, I agree wrong? With that. No. I Am think I you're right. Look at this guy. People you're like fires. Fire. You're starting fires. I still like to start fires. They're fun. Yeah. I mean, how, you know, you, you guys make videos, right? How often are you like, hey, guys, I don't want any gas on this bomb over here. I just yeah. want it to be just an explosion. Don't do, remove the gas. Yeah, guys, right? let's keep it safe. Yeah. Let's you've do you've done that zero times. Right. Never. <laughs> I've never actually said that. Have you ever like, said like, hey, how about how many gallons do you think you can get over there? I always say I've lived life in that context for P for plenty and more. So how much do we have? 50 gallons? Yeah. Why don't we have 100? Yeah. Is there a reason? You see what can I'm we saying? prime this? Exactly. Is there a way that we can prime this with a you know an accelerant? Mm -hmm. Can we make this even better? I had a guy who, when I was running training, and we'd do these big scenarios, you know, and this freaking awesome team guy, he would he would spend two days out on target setting up this just <laughs> explosive drop. Explosive drama. And he'd come out and he'd have all these things ready for me because I'd get out to the target before the platoons would hit it. And he'd be like, all right, this is what I got going on, boss. One time he goes, this one up here is called Pool of Lava. <laughs> and he had, he had gotten freaking tinfoil, like, like uh, industrial tinfoil, and had rolled it down this mountain. And then he had this like built napalm thing where when this thing blowed up, it would, it would tilt, this, tilt this thing over. And once it got tilted over, it pour off and down this tinfoil thing and set it on fire. Oh, yeah. He would have, he would put like rings and just massive, massive explosions. Like, where I'd be like, I'd, I'd, be, I'd get like shockwave and I'd, I'd go, bro, what was the minimum safe distance on that? He goes, I'm pretty sure we're good. I'd be like, oh my. Yeah, so we, and he would do, uh, he would do so many smoke grenades. He would have them all lined around the target. What do you call it? Oh yeah, it was called Fog of War. Yeah. He'd be like, I'd be like, I'd be like uh, go Fog of War at this time. He'd be like, on it. And then all of a sudden, and, and there'd be probably no less than probably 50 to 75 HC smoke grenades. Oh, yeah. Like, do these things put out smoke? Oh, yeah. Smoke? No one's getting out of there, bro. No one's getting, you can't see anything for like, you gotta it's wait. Awesome. If there's like no wind, you're just sitting there for like, uh, call it 12 minutes of just sitting there looking at smoke. Just like, <laughs> fog of war. Oh, yeah. And then there's just big booms. So, fog of war going, then there'd just be massive explosions. Where I have no idea what the safe distance was, but I guarantee you it was marginal. <laughs> so yeah, fire, right? Yeah, fire. Sure, you can use it to cook with, but you can also use it for fun. Yeah, it is a it's a, it is very fun. It can be very fun. One of the best things I found in training that we utilized was those bird bombs. They're twelve gauge bird bombs. They're for scaring off geeds. Have you guys ever seen these? Mm -hmm. It's basically an M eighty that you can shoot out of a twelve gauge. Oh, that's cool. It's amazing. Can you still get them? Oh yeah, they're because you can. Farmers get them to to scare off geese, and so they whistle. Well, 
we used them as RPG simulators yeah. because they'll fly out and they'll go boom, right? And we could bounce them off Did walls they inside. Out of the barrel, then blow. <clears throat> yeah, with the report. Yeah, damn, that's they're good. epic, and they are so good for training, and they are so much fun because I would have like an entire village, and like the all the the roofs were taken off, so it's just a big concrete multi-level, you know, building, and then I'd have this shooting uh, gallery. <laughs> I, I had a big tower that was another two stories above everybody else. And I would rain, like I would open up the boxes, just have them open. I would be working on my speed reloads, just raining hell on students with these 12 gauge bird bombs. It would blow their fucking pants off. So I could, if I could hit them right, and I got so good with this, I could bounce them off a wall because it would speed down the block. You don't want to hit somebody yeah. with them because they're like, they, they'd hurt like a motherfucker. But you bounce them off a wall. And you try to get them to explode like right on the the pants or something because you blow their fucking pants off and it was awesome. You just like their whole the bottoms of their BDUs would just be like shredded from me just fucking annihilating them from the the, the catwalk for a lack of a better term. It's an amazing training aid. Loud music, we need lots of smoke. That, oh yeah, we need and to explosives. get that built into an arrow for like clearing a food plot, like when you yeah. Instead of, because I'd be like, okay, is it worse that they see me coming out and then they build an association of a human coming out of that thing and then they don't want to come back? Or does like lightning strike and just empty this freaking field so I can bail out? I, yeah, lightning strikes. I think that's what you do. You could, you could absolutely do that. The other question I had was, is it illegal to hunt at night? It is. Wait, are you stopping Hold on. there? Yeah. Oh. Okay. Depending on the animal, it's not right. So correct. Archery Hogs. though. Hogs. Archery. Axis. Mm. So my my idea in this. Okay. It's a why maybe not. It's know. a peck for our bow. Mm-hmm. So we we run NVGs. Mm-hmm. We look at you know distance. And all that is, I mean, really, you're just fluctuating the elevation. So you're rotating for 60 or 80 or whatever the hell mm-hmm. it is. On the laser. On the laser. Yep. It just has to adjust with the yardage, which is, should be relatively easy yeah. to set that up. Done it. On but hogs. now, huh? For hogs, yeah. Yeah. That. Now we can run NVGs and do archery night vision, which I think would be fucking awesome. The hard thing with, I mean, I've tested all this. The hard thing is like bow torque with a laser is like pretty significant. So like once you go over a certain distance, you have to be so flawless for like torque. Like with a rifle, so you're not- So it's be like something for me, you know? Yeah. Yeah, freaking <laughs> right. watch gorilla your neighbors grip. if old freaking Gorilla Twister over here. <laughs> gorilla a laser on his bow, good God. Uh, no, but it's, I think for certain things, yeah, it'd be awesome. Yeah. It'd be fun to do. I, right? I've done it on hogs, but it'd be fun. I, I was I kept thinking about that. Like I kept thinking about I really want to shoot these elk because it's dark and I know that they're only like 30 yards away from me. Mm. And I can't because I can't really see them. And I would love to be able to see them with my NVGs. 
I was like, can we shoot these at night? And then I realized that we probably couldn't, but... I'm so glad that I'm the one that's like helping teach all you guys archery because... <laughs> Could you spear them? At I mean, you see the calluses on my hands? This is from pulling the reins back on you and stunt. Like Jocko's actually pretty good because he's just like, give me orders and I'll do it. Andy, on the other hand, like the whole time, like my heels are just pushing back on the stirrups. Toes up, I'm freaking just pulling back on his teeth and he's just asking me why that's dumb if we can't. And I'm just like, dude. Can I shoot this in the face? No, Andy. It's not going to go, no. Come on, why not? Yeah. Like, I could see that. It, honestly, we need to, we need to, I need to do a video on like archery or bow hunting 101 ethics. <laughs> and, and guest speakers, Andy. <laughs> <laughs> Andy's the best, dude. Like that's the kind of guy. Like when you're in the teams, you if you're not, if you're not giving him good guidance, man, watch out because <laughs> it's gonna come back. Because and that's exactly who you want. Someone that's going as hard as they can, and if you let them go, like yeah, watch out. That that's what I call, and I've realized later in life what there's a word for that. It's called entrepreneurial. Mm. You know, you get some guys out there that are really entrepreneurial. Yeah. You know, guys like Andy. Mike Glover, like I can imagine those guys were really great at times and really horrible at times, (laughs) just like this guy. (laughs) It's a very binary, very binary management problem with me. Like I hate you and I love you at the same time. It's like you told me we needed Mm -hmm. forklifts. I got the forklifts. Did I have to bring the entire Patagonia cold weather supply from the air force with those forklifts? No, but I did, you know, mm-hmm. is it on video? Puffy I don't know. I was wearing a ski mask. Here's your puffy jacket. Please be quiet. <laughs> I, 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 uh, in Baghdad, we were on like a little bit outside the main base and so milk, those cartons of what is it? Goat milk, like pasteurized little boxes mm-hmm. of milk. But I used to drink, you know, protein with that. And one and but you can only get it from the big galley, so whatever. And I was like at work, and we we're I was getting ready for doing some con ops or something. And my LPO and a couple guys were like, "Hey, Stuart, we're going to the you know going to the chow hall. You want us to get anything?" I was like, "Dude, just bring me back some milk, will you?" And they're like, "Yep, cool." Freaking hour and a half later, they roll in. They literally have a pallet of freaking milk for me. I'm like, "Thanks, guys. <laughs> we're good." <laughs> Don't I? I the, the milk that they got me lasted me for six months of a deployment. Mm-hmm. That's how much milk they brought back for me. So cool. Commander's <laughs> intent. Yeah, commander's intent. They got me some milk. Yeah. Got milk was the you know the joke. Good. <laughs> yes, we do. <laughs> we got plenty of milk. So yeah, well, that's what you got to hope for. Yeah. Now I wish I had more entrepreneurial guys. You know. Because really, it's it's way better to try to pull people back than it is to push them forward. It's it way is. better. Ninety nine percent of the time. That's a pretty good one. Ninety nine. Yeah, the one percent. Johnny on the spot. You yeah. know, next thing he'll Andy stops walking back yeah. into camp with like a severed head of a yeah. freaking horse or something. <laughs> <laughs> He's like on the saddle of it, yeah. whatever. You know, right? You do a pretty good job at getting those people, though. I told you that the other day. I said you're really good about like. If you see someone that's that type of person, you grab them, even if you don't know where you're going to put them to use yet. You Do it all freaking, the time. Love it. You freaking grab it. Mm-hmm. Like if you, if, if all hell broke loose and we had to just hunker into 
Black Rifle HQ, you would have a, I mean, you would literally have an ecosystem of people that have specialties and things where it's just like, wait a minute, how are they still surviving over there? And you'd have someone with at like every, a gift and like every type of trait that you need. Fred, I, Fred built, built the hydroponics freaking grow yeah. factory in <laughs> yeah. the back. We're good. We got wheat. We got, we got it all. <laughs> I've said that multiple times. If things, if this thing goes completely pear-shaped as like, you know, civilization, we're going to be able to transition to kinetic operations within 24 hours. And they're actually probably going to be more successful. We'll take over the entire Utah Valley within mm. probably 72 hours. It'll be, <laughs> <laughs> we know all the police. We know all the military. We are the police in the military. Like, it's just going to, mm-hmm. you know, turn the switches. Here we go. Let's, that looks like we're back to our old ways, you know? Mm-hmm. And now they're, the ROE is even better. It's <laughs> like, I'm not listening to idiots for it anymore. <laughs> I don't have, never understood those, you know, never understood them. I've disagreed with them multiple times. Well, it's totally side, side conversation, but you guys, it's great to see you. Hell yeah, really is. yeah man. This yeah. was freaking awesome. That was a pretty legit couple weeks. September right here. is yeah. like, I said, it sucks. Why is September the like only 30 days? Gosh. I don't know. I want it to be longer. I want it to be longer. I think next year, I'm just going to block out. Just black out. You guys are about 10 years behind. Two weeks. (laughs) Two weeks in September. Just black it all out. I already already blocked out the whole whole month. Yeah, it's gone. I think next year, it's it's completely gone. Like, it's just... I'm not going to do anything else. That's all I'm going to do. to October 1st, it's just like... That's the good good luck. That's the good Good luck getting me. Yeah. I mean, some people are like, well, this is really important. I'm like, cool. I'll do with it on October 2nd because right. I need one day to sleep. <laughs> like, I Dude. went full narco. Like when Jocko shot his bull, I just went full narcoleptic and just mm-hmm. like my body realized I'm... You're done? Well, it realized I have from now until next Saturday when I take Andy mm-hmm. to like... do, And also and just like, boom. Uh, like mid mid talking to someone solid yeah we're talking to the guide does in the back seat i'm um, in the front seat the, and the guide's like talking and and does like yeah no that's, that seems like a good idea and that's oh well, what do you think of this dud he's out dude. <laughs> he's out narc narco out dude yeah i almost killed myself in the freaking bathtub last night i was well you you know how the we smell like piss right now, like elk piss right yeah. now. It's I great. It's Jocko. Yeah, it I know it is me. Yeah. <laughs> My answer is gnarly, and I've got this belt on, which is 100% covered in elk piss and blood. Mm-hmm. So, actually, our guide like sprayed the elk piss on. Oh us. yeah, yeah, he was. Why? It's a weird piss. tactic. We had to spray down with cover scent. <laughs> yeah, or for like uh, like scent neutralizer after you had already. No, this is why we were stalking. Yeah, like spray us down with like like like. <laughs> baking soda but then he would like he would spray to check the wind with elk urine and it would just blow back in Jocko's face I'm just like damn I thought he was spraying you after you were done no that would be even a better joke okay guys I'm gonna spray you guys down with some elk urine this is an ancient Indian ritual like when we get done we (laughs) like to bathe in elk piss so go ahead and come on over here well Jocko shot his we shot that bull what like 8 o'clock probably and by the time we were done with pack out it's three o'clock, right? Yeah. And I mean, I was pretty shot, but I thought I'm not flying back home to Sharon like this. 
So I, I just got in the bathtub and just like squeezed like half a bottle of shampoo in there and just like soaked in there for a while. And then I'm like, I, you know, it, like all, when all the bubbles finally dissolved, like it looked like this table in there, dude, it looked like an elk wallow. And I just thought, dang. So I drained the bathtub and like sprayed out all the freaking grime in there and then filled it up again. And then woke up like three hours later in a cold bath, just almost dead. I was blowing <laughs> bubbles. Oh, yeah. with the water. Uh, but well, next one but, is Texas, right? That we agreed oh, on right. this. Yeah. Peter. Oh, dude. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's awesome. Peter agreed. Everybody agreed. Yeah. So we're down with it. It'll be fun. Yeah. It'll be a great time. It'll be fun. Cool, dude. All right. Cool. Right Thanks, guys. That concludes today's training. Any questions? Woo! Drum titties, boy!